Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue our journey through the book of First Samuel as David has been anointed as king and is working for Saul at this time, humbly serving him and playing the harp for him to help chase away the dark, the darkness that has come into his life as he has turned away from God and stepped away from God and has denied God and his authority. So we'll continue in chapter 17, verse 1. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Sokah and Judah and Azekah at Ephes Damien. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. So um, they're, they're, the enemy has... has approached. They're, they're wanting to battle the Israelites and Saul is in charge still. And he, um, he is saying, okay, we're going to go ahead. We're going to fight. We're going to fight in this, in this battle, but God's anointing is no longer with Saul. He has turned away from God. He has chosen to not follow God. So we'll continue on here and see what happens in verse four. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. One might wonder why a giant this huge with all this bronze covering would need an armor bearer walking ahead of him with a shield. But there we have it. He has an armor bearer carrying a shield ahead of him. In verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all come why are you all coming out to fight? he called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, then you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So they're being taunted. They're being bullied. They're being threatened with these words. They they weren't afraid when they saw him, but when they heard his words, terror set in and they were terrified. And it's important that we listen to what matters. They're not listening to God and the almighty strength and sovereignty of God. They're listening to these words of the enemy instead of choosing to listen to God. And the enemy is going to mock us. The enemy is going to shout at us. The enemy is going to taunt us, but we don't listen to the enemy. We listen to the voice of God. We seek the voice of God. The enemy's lies can and will be relentless, but we have to choose to saturate our minds and thoughts with scripture and the truth of God's word and stand firm in faith in on God and who he is and the fact that he is for us and his goodness and greatness pours out on our lives and he will protect us. He will be there for us. He will get us through the valleys and we can stand firm on that and we can say, shut up enemy. You do not have authority here. God does. 
And Saul also was terrified. He's no different than the others. He's supposed to be their king, standing up and leading them under God's authority, which he's not doing. We know that. He has chose to walk away from God. But he is just as terrified as everyone else. And um, we continue here in verse 12. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimea, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so that he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. So he was going back and forth because we know that he was playing in the, with a harp for Saul and that he was helping Saul. But it says here he's still tending to his sheep and he is he is still helping his father and he is still working at what he's supposed to be doing. He's serving. He's humble in um, God's perfect timing to embrace the God anointing that is on David's life hasn't come yet. It's not God's timing yet. So he's still being humble. He's still serving. He's still doing what he needs to do in taking care of the household. In verse 16, for 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army taunt, and he, he was taunting them. He would strut in front of them and he would taunt them like a big old bully. He would taunt them and threaten them. And we are on the front lines of the battle and we can choose to stop staring at the enemy and in, in listening to his eyes, his lies, I'm sorry, or we can get into battle, we can fight, we can get into God's word, and we can say, stop in the name of Jesus. You do not belong here. Get out. We can stop listening to the enemy and his torturous lies, and we can say, God wins. God's the victor. You are an already defeated enemy, and you have no place here. So get out. We can stand up. We are on the front lines in this battle, and we don't have to listen to it. We don't have to to be tortured and tormented by the enemy in his lies. We are children of God. We are heirs to the Most High God. In verse 17, One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. So he, so they're being taunted for 40 days. We know that is connected to judgment and temptation. So they're being tempted, judged, taunted, tortured for 40 days. And then Jesse sends David with 10 loaves of bread and 10 cuts of cheese. And 10 is the number of perfect law, the number of, of law and the completion of law. And cheese cheese is in the bible so we should we should like cheese i love cheese so i love when cheese is in the bible <laughs> um but when we buy into the enemy's lies we don't engage in the battle we just stop stunted and terrified and we don't move forward in what god wants us to move forward in so it is very important that we stand up and stop so he is sending david over to check on his brothers and in verse 19 it continues David's brothers were with Saul in the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So it says they're fighting, but they're not fighting. They're standing there staring at the enemy, dumbfounded in fear and terror. Sometimes we think we're fighting, but we're really not fighting. We can't just sit on our callings. We can't just sit by and wait and see what happens. We need to act on our callings. We need to fight. We need to pray. We need to be in our prayer closets. We need to be warring for 
God and in saving people. We don't just stare at the enemy. We move into battle. We engage in our communities. We love on people. We love God and love people. And we need to be prepared for the battle. So that means we need to be in our Bibles. We need to be in scriptures. We need to be David's, not his brother's. And we'll continue in verse 20. So David left the sheep with another sheep herd, herd, another shepherd, and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. So they're finally leaving for the battlefield, and he doesn't leave his sheep unintended. He leaves them with another shepherd. He is prepared, and his house is in order and cared for before he steps out and into the battlefield. In verse 21, soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The man asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. So here there's there's a reward for fighting in the battle. There's rewards. They've been listening to this giant's taunts for 40 days and nights now, and they're afraid of his sight as well as his words in the their their changed behavior behavior that it caused them to flee instead of fight instead of standing their ground and fighting under the authority of god they they run in fear and that's why it's so important to shut off the worldly noise around us and listen to god so we stand firm in god and who he is in verse 26 david asked the soldiers standing nearby what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending the, his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? So that's a critique on Saul's leadership. He's like, who is allowing this? Why is this being allowed to happen? He is defying God's people. David knew and listened to God, not the lies of the enemy. He knew the power of God and he believes in God and he believes that God is the focus. He's like, guys, God, God is here. He gives us victory over over the enemy. In verse 27, and these men gave David the same reply. They said, Yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing here anyway? he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. So here's another thing. When we step out and walk into the battle and step up and fight and stand firm and step into our calling and what God wants for our lives, opposition is going to rise from the enemy and it's going to often come from within. And he, he's got like a big brother syndrome here. He's like, what are you doing? Eliab is stuck on life mentality, but David is... He he wants abundant life found in God and God alone. David's heart is purely after God. And the enemy comes in and questions his heart and motives. But David doesn't flinch because he knew his heart and motives. And he knew he was after God. So he doesn't even, he doesn't even, he's like, no. In verse 29, what have I done now? David replied, I was only asking a question. 
he walked over to some of the others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. So he doesn't let it get to him because he knows his own heart. Someone is going to try to discourage you and you are qualified. You need to remember you are qualified. Christ is in you and you have everything you need to move forward in your calling in God. You are equipped. Don't let people's negativity and fear stop you in God's mission. God has equipped and qualified you and you are able and capable of moving forward in God. In verse 32, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. And he's about 17 years roughly old around this time, y'all. Verse 33, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this both to lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. So David trusts God. He he wants to do something. He's not going to just stand by and let the enemy taunt God's people. And he, he believes in God and he stands firm on the power of God. He knows what God can do. In verse 38, Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in this, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into the, his shepherd's bag. Then armed with only his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So here we have him. He he's he rests in God, not the armor. He he doesn't wear other people's things. We're not to wear other people's gifts and talents. God gave us our own gifts and talents, and he wants us to use our own. And he wants us to understand that he qualifies us with our own gifts and talents and our own abilities, our own experiences. He went through some things that prepared him for this exact moment. And those experiences helped him know what, exactly what he was, what he needs to do. We, we don't need fancy weapons. We don't need fancy houses, fancy churches, fancy lights, fancy decorations. We just need God and his anointing and his powerful, powerful might. And David is fighting for the glory of God and the honor of God, not man's reward. We belong with God and we become what we worship. And he's worshiping God and standing firm in the power of God. In verse 41, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt with it at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give you your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. So he says, come here. And David's going forward. He's engaging in the battle. In verse 45. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. 
and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. So here again, we see his confidence in God and God's glory. God fights our battles ahead. Let him trust God. God's in it. Battles in the ancient times were often considered to be primarily between the gods that they worship. And for David, this battle was about the honor and reputation of God. And that's what what David relied on. And that's what David started out to be, it riled David up to begin with. Like they were trying to come against his God and he believed in his God, in our God. God is mighty. God is perfect. God is sovereign. God is powerful. Goliath was mocking Israel and Goliath was mocking our God and the people of Yahweh. And David got angry about that and said, no, stop. When the enemy mocks and comes against us, we need to stand up and say, no, stop. This is enough. In verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off its head. So he used the enemy's own weapon to finish him off and to kill him. In the next verse, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sherim as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armor in his own tent. As Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? And he knows who David is. David's been working for him, but he's saying, get it on record. No more taxes for this boy. He, um, Abner responds, I really don't know, Abner declared. Well, find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. And David replied, his name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. So now it's on record that they no longer have to pay taxes. That was the deal. And um, he ends up parading the head of Goliath to Jerusalem, proclaiming God's victory over the Philistines. He's saying that that you have made taken you may have taken the city of Jerusalem, but look at your warrior Yahweh. God is greater than your puny fake gods. And he's not concerned about his own advancement. He's concerned about God's advancement. God empowers faithful servants to defeat the odds. The odds don't matter. God does. God raises up underdogs committed to his glory. As long as we're committed to his glory, God will raise us up and bring us to our place of where we need to be so we can bring more honor and more glory to God in his great name, his great power, his great sovereignty. And that is the heart of a king. We have David revealing the heart of a king. He experienced the abundance of life because he is submitted to God. 
and that is what true kingship should look like. And we see a final king come in Jesus, our final king resurrected, died, and slain for us so that we could have life abundantly. He submitted himself so that we could live. He died so we don't have to, and we can accept him and choose Jesus every day of our lives. We'll continue on tomorrow with David's story, y'all. I hope you're having a great day.